This is Tony Warner, and you are listening to the Fulham Focus Podcast. Hello, yes, the Whites are back to winning ways after a textbook victory against Swansea City at the Cottage on Wednesday evening. Alexander Mitrovic bagged himself a first-half hat-trick and all is good again as we climb back up to third in the Championship table. I've got Morgs and Baldo with me, plus we're joined once again by Chair of the Fulham Supporters Trust, Tom Greytrex, to go back over the game and, of course, look forward to Saturday's Jimmy Hill Day clash with Coventry City at Repo Arena. My name is Matt Boisclair and this is your Fulham Focus Podcast. Fulham. So lads, back to winning ways then. Tom, start with you again first, mate. Give me your thoughts from the game. Well, look, um, I hate to say I told you so, but I did tell you so. I said um, that I thought we'd win 3-1 and we did. I said I thought that, you know, having... Missed a few chances. Mitrovic would take the opportunity to uh, to put them away, and he certainly did that. Um, I also said I think that um, we would uh, we would get an off an offside looking goal to compensate for the offside looking one that we conceded the weekend, and we got all of that. Um, but you know, it was what I hoped for, what I expected. It was a good uh, win, uh, I think, against a team that are you know, definitely a work in progress, as we discussed last week. Um, but, you know, they've got some good signs there and I suspect they'll get stronger in the second half of the season. But, um, yeah, very, very pleased with the result and the performance and Mitre's return. I mean, arguably, we sort of sat back a bit second half because we'd won the game by then and then the change with Joe Bryan going off um, changed the dynamic a little bit. But all in all, a good night's work. Our listeners aren't used to accurate uh, statements from uh, from the people on Fulham Focus, <laughs> mate. So you're a little bit out of place here. Yeah, well, I'll only work one week. I'm not coming back on again after my <laughs> next prediction. Yeah, right. Let's uh, let's go to some uh, some bullshit then from Baldo. How did I, how did I know you were going to lead into me after talking about wrong predictions on it? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's all it's all good. I think I think we've said this before. How much um, life and everything is a lot better when Fulham are winning. You know, it's been a down couple of weeks, hasn't it, with the Reading and. Uh, Leeds results and Bristol result and what have you. But now the Fulham are back to winning wings. Everything's starting to look positively back up again. You know, not just the result, but the performance to go with it. You know, it wasn't a scrapey performance. It was actually, you know, all round a pretty decent one. We're going to talk about Mitro, but there are a lot of other players that deserve their kudos as well. So it was a good all round team performance. I think from the point of view of how Swansea play, they, they gave it a really good go, I thought. Uh, you know, they sort of didn't, uh, you know, they gave us, a, you know, the respect that, you know, sort of a team that play like us possibly deserve. But at the same time, it didn't really change their game plan. And as I think, you know, the commentator said, it, it might play into Fulham's hands. And it did in that first half. And I think, you know, sort of we capitalised through our sort of, you know, some great counter-attacking football again. Um but uh, yeah, we in the sort of the second half, I think we sort of did sort of not hold on, um, but we did a sort of backs against the wall for quite a lot of that half. But again, it was a great, solid defensive performance as well, which, you know, the attacking side is great. But to be able to sort of hold out for that half when Swansea were sort of throwing everything at it um, was a, another great showing, really. And I think, yes, we've had a couple of dodgy results 
in the last couple of weeks, but you're going to get those in the championship. You're going to get those in any league. And so I think if we've got those out of the way, at least for the next few games, that's great. We can build on and sort of, you know, sort of really sort of aim to hit the top of the league again um, as the uh, the dark months uh, start kicking in. It's interesting, actually, isn't it? That Swansea in their last away game were 3-0 down to, to Luton and they came back and drew that game 3 all. So they obviously had a, a really... Um, a really good second half performance. I think they got their first first in the first half actually in that game as well. But having been two 0 up and then three one up, I, I never felt worried about this game at any point. I felt like we just kind of got the lead, got a, got a couple of goals ahead, and just did what we had to do to see the game out. Almost, I, I, it's it's a strange situation because I, I would have thought my emotions would have been that. Fulham three uh, one up against a team that came back from three 0 down in their last game, and I'd be worried. But I was I was absolutely fine with it. I think it was the fact that if Swansea had scored a second goal, I reckon we would have scored a fourth goal. Mm. I think we'd certainly sort of didn't really go for it as much in the second half um, and let them have a bit more of the ball. But I think the way we were attacking was with so much confidence that I think had we needed to, we would have got another goal. But I think the fact is, we've got, um, you know, again, it's one of those weeks where you have three games in a short space of time um, and squeezed in Wednesday, Saturday, early kickoff as well. So perhaps at halftime, Silver did say, let's just not go all out, all guns blazing again. We've got the job done. Just make sure you hold on to it. And obviously with Mitro coming off, that was a sign that, you know, he was trying to sort of, uh, you know, give them uh, sort of game management. Uh, situation though I can't work this team out Tom because against Huddersfield we were 3-1 up had a player sent off bought on Caballero and didn't sit back and defend we just went for the jugular and got another couple of goals whereas against Swansea I felt like we probably could have got another couple of goals if we wanted to I even fancied Muniz to get one when he came on to be honest Um, but we just we didn't really attack much in the second half at all did we no we had a couple of chances I mean there was uh, when Muniz saw the uh, keeper off his line and that almost came off and then the um, uh, the one that Adoy had towards the end. But no, I think you're you're right. And uh, as you just said, we, he made a couple of subs that were obviously about preserving fitness and uh, avoiding injury for some of the key players. But, you know, that, I think that's probably because we're more into the season now and, you know, two games a week, most weeks, you've got to sort of try and try and manage that. It's always a bit of a risky thing to do to to make those changes when you've still got half an hour to play and you're two goals ahead. Because uh, because C one and it could be a very different game, but you know I I think actually I agree that if we had a conceded, if that one hadn't have hit the hit the woodwork and gone in for three two, we'd have probably gone up the other end and, and got back two goals in front. So um, I think it was just effective effective coaching, effective management, and and the team playing well actually. Very good. Well, Joe Bryan started the game at left back, which was a surprise. He was in place of Anthony Robinson, obviously, and I assume he was injured given that he wasn't even on the bench. Joe Bryan made it to the 55th minute of the game before getting injured. How do you think he did, Baldo? I think he did. I think he did exactly what we sort of expected him to do, you know, good defensively and good um, in attack as well. I think best summed up by by his path for the second goal, which we're going to touch on, which we're going to touch on later. Um, You know, me, you, and I can't remember. Morgan, were you there for the Charlton friendly? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but, how do you, how yeah, do you yeah, feel me? 
he's well you're, you're small you get you get lost amongst a lot of other people you get lost amongst all the little legs um but yeah we were saying from there that we felt like oh robinson isn't shouldn't be the first choice we knew from there that brian should have been first choice but obviously silver likes obviously likes robinson for whatever for whatever reason but it just goes to show that joe Bryan is a capable defender you know defender and attacking uh, left back when we need him. And it just goes to show we talked a lot this season about strength and depth and whether or not we have it. But, you know, I don't think we can really say we have a problem with our left back. Whatever player he decides to go with going forward, we know we've got a good option. I would rather have Joe Bryan starting, but if he does have to come in for the odd game or two, then, you know, we're not exactly going to be worried or anything like that. Well, the problem that we've got now, of course, is that potentially both Joe Bryan and Anthony Robinson are injured for the next game. So the game last night, Bobby Reed switched over to left wing back and we went three at the back as Alfie Mawson came on for, for Joe Bryan. But I don't really think that three at the back with wing backs, just because both of our left backs are injured, is the way forward from the start. So certainly against Coventry, who've won every game at home so far, and we'll, we'll come on to Coventry later. I guess the other option is Tim Ream at left back, but he's got no um, attack, attacking prowess, has he? And we, we like our, our let our fullbacks to get forward. So is it going to be? I, I don't know. But Bobby Reed isn't going to play left back in a in a four, is he? I think you'd probably go um, switch Dennis Adoy to left back, yeah. and then you know a another at right back, probably Cyrus. You know, given Cyrus Christie, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be my that'd be my choice. Yeah, Christie. But hopefully one of, you know, either Robinson or Brian's injury isn't too serious. Maybe sort of um, Robinson just needed a bit of rest um, after playing, you know, the international games as well and all the league games. But um, I think you just with that situation of the two sort of decent left backs, I would say that Brian is definitely more suited to the championship. But I would also say that Robinson has probably got the more potential to be a decent Premier League left back. Um, I don't think Brian's really. I mean, he does a he does a job when he comes in, but he's probably not cut out for the that sort of uh, the quality that you get in the Premier League. But he is so good in the Championship um, that it's sort of it's it's always a shame to see him on the bench. Um, but obviously, it's a slightly different dynamic with Robinson. So, you know, hopefully, Silver's going to give them both a chance throughout the season, keep them both happy. Um, but as you say, you know, if neither of them are playing this week. Um, do we go Tim Ream? I mean, just go for a little bit of solidity at left back as opposed to attacking threat um, and just focus on Cabano or uh, whoever's taking up the left spot, um, which I imagine would be Cabano after his performance. Mm. It's, uh, yeah, I think, it's I think a... with Adoy's, with Adoy's um, uh, versatility, I think it is more likely that he'd switch Adoy from... In that situation where both mm. left backs are injured, switch him over to the left. And, you know... I agree with Cyrus Christie. I mean, I thought he played really well against Leeds. And given that about three weeks before that, he was told he was surplus to requirements, um, actually to come and, and play as well as he did against Leeds. I hope that as uh, means in Marco Silva's mind, he's got a good backup option there or another backup option. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we if that because I, I can't see I can't see Bobby Dickman overread starting there. I mean he he fills in when he has to for half an hour a game, but you're not going to play a whole game with him. Uh, I don't think as as a as a as a fullback or a wingback, not in a four, but we did last season a couple of times. Well, where did we play? Was it um, Liverpool away, or was it Leicester away, or somewhere? He played. Was it Brighton away? Maybe he played. He did play left wing back. Um, I think 
much to everybody's surprise from the beginning. Um, but he's so versatile that he, he can play everywhere, almost, can't he? Maybe not centre-half or goalkeeper, but he's almost played everywhere else on the pitch. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, 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 I don't think Marco Silva will start him there, is what I mean. No. I mean, yeah. you know, Scott Parker's a different a different thing, but I think <laughs> he, he sees and... You know, he appreciates this uh, what he can what he can do going forward, um, and what he can contribute to attacking play. And I, I very much doubtly want to start him um, playing in defence. I mean, I actually I missed I missed the press conference that uh, Silver did today, so I don't know if he actually uh, made a point on Brian's injury or not, or Robinson. I don't know. I didn't hear it either. Tom, another one of your predictions I wanted to touch upon was that you said that you thought Harrison Reed would start, and he did alongside Jean-Michel Serry and Bobby Reed, who was playing in that number 10 role. The result of the game was obviously a positive, but so was Harrison making it through the game seemingly unscathed. Hopefully we'll see him get a run of games now. And the 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 poll that we did on Twitter the other week was, um, I think most people said that the, the midfield three that they would prefer out of everybody was... Uh, Seri, Harrison Reed, and, and Carvalho. So it's kind of it's kind of paving the way for Carvalho to come back into that three, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I think Seri was terrific. Actually, I mean, I know that uh, uh, on Wednesday night, I know that Mitrovic gets the headlines for the goals, and rightly so. But I thought Seri's uh, uh, contribution was absolutely superb, and it was really good to see Harrison Reed, and he he played a big part in that as well. And um, I think he will be suited. To playing against Coventry as well, so um, I would be I would expect the same midfield starting uh, lineup that we had uh, if if Carvalho is not back, and I, I don't know whether he is or not. Um, but if he's not, then I think that's a that's a good midfield field option to continue with, and it's really good to see Harrison Reed back. I think Harrison Reed gets a run of games, he will be back up to the level of form that we saw, you know, for a big good chunk of last season, and that's when we were playing our best football last season. Yeah, of course, Chalaba looks like he's injured as well because he wasn't involved, but Keener was back on the bench. But Keener's so far down the uh, the pecking order now, I think, with with all these other players that I think he's going to be, uh, be, a, be a bit part player. But anyway, we, we spoke on the previous show about the importance of getting an early goal. And that was exactly what happened against Swansea. We also said after that Bristol City goal at the weekend, as you said earlier, Tom, that Mitrovic will probably score a goal that's offside this season. And we just didn't expect it to come so soon. Baldo, I'll come to you. Talk, talk me through that first goal. Yeah, slightly disappointed with it because I've been, I was holding off with the whole Bristol City thing, um, given my staunch defensive VAR after last season, just thinking, ah, <laughs> we could have used VAR against Bristol City. And then it's just come back to haunt me. So good thing I didn't say anything too much. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's a lot of there's there is a lot of luck involved in the whole Mitrovic decision, but if you want to have that argument, yeah, the league went out across the part of the season. But I think really all the credit, you know, Mitrovic did well himself with the turn in the box and everything. But I think all the credit needs to go to Tim Ream for that one, for reading the ball perfectly and putting the ball, you know, where it needed to be put. You know, he could very easily have taken a touch, controlled it, played it out to the wing or sprayed it into the centre or something like that. But to just know the ball has got to go straight back into Mitrovic because we know what problems he can cause uh, when the ball's in around that spot, but you know, just to have the presence of mind to say, right, let's get it back in there for him to cause a little bit of trouble. Um, was just, it, it just goes to show how well he, how well he reads the game. Um, and then obviously credit to Mitrovic for, for the way he finished smart finish. You know, he, he's not exactly known for his like skillful work with his feet. He's more of a physical brute as it were, but 
there was just a little bit of delicacy. I almost competed to Dennis Bergkamp, but I thought that was a bit too far. Um, but just in the way he controlled it and finished it. Um, but yeah, uh, fantastic goal all round. But I think most most of the credit needs to go to Tim Ring. I remember you posted into the chat just after uh, just after it happened as well. We should, we should quickly touch upon this: the Harry Wilson penalty incident, um, which at the time I thought looked like a penalty from my superb unblocked vantage point from from H four considering it was up the at the putty end. Um, but having seen it again, I thought it was more of a coming together and uh, I, I didn't think it was a penalty. But Baldo, what, what did you think, Kevin, seeing as, uh, seeing as you, you brought it up at the time? Yeah, I thought I thought it was no penalty. Um, I was the I was the guy in charge of the uh, focus Twitter feed last night, so I just put the poll out more or less as soon as the incident happened. Just because I knew it could be a talking point during the game to, uh, during the uh, review tonight, and I've just got the final results here: two hundred ninety-one people voted, eighty-four point two percent thought they was thought there was a penalty. <laughs> however, um, how um, whether or not that's you know bias playing playing its part, I honestly don't think it was. As you say, come together, fair shoulder charge. I don't think if if that was given against us, you'd feel right, you'd feel agreed. So I, in that in that instance, I say no penalty personally. Harry Wilson looked exasperated, but yeah, I didn't think it was a penalty either. Uh, Mitro's second goal was created by Niskan Skibano on the left and expertly, yet very deliberately, I'd say, scuffed into the far bottom corner by the main man. Morgs, great goal, wasn't it? It was great. And again, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, Joe Bryant's hard work that really sort of created it. He intercepted the ball. He carried it, you know, as far uh, far forward down the pitch and laid off for Niskins. And obviously, you know, sometimes with his crossing, it's never, you know, never quite sure how pinpoint it's going to be. But it was perfect. And, you know, it was one of those finishes for Mitro as well. That, And I think this is probably the case with, you know, maybe all of his goals. He probably, well, maybe not the first, if he, uh, but he probably would have missed them last season. Uh, or if he hadn't scored as many this season. You know, it's, those were really confident finishes from someone who's really enjoying his football at the moment. And it was, you know, it's so good to see him in that form and with a smile on his face and just enjoying the game again. Um, that, uh, yeah, I think it was just all, you know, all the goals were great. Uh, but I think, you know, that one, it was, again, hard work that created it. And just, uh, you know, as you say, purposely scuffed. We'll go with that. <laughs> it was just yeah, a tidy finish. Definitely, let's go with it. Um, I must just say that um, my French bulldog is sat right next to my microphone, snoring really loudly. So it's not just uh, some sound effect that's been put on. If you can, if you guys can hear this um, for when Morgan and Baldo are speaking, it is uh, just a, a very tired little dog. So that's going to go please. well with my cold then. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I was going to say, by the sounds of it, I've I've got a cold. Morgan's got a cold. You've got a dog. By the sounds of it, Tom's the only one that's professional and has turned up without any problems tonight. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right, seven minutes before the break, Swansea pulled a goal back. The defending was pretty questionable from the beginning to the end of that move. Marco Silva even questioned the positioning of the midfield. I don't think Gazaniga came out of, out of that looking great either, Tom. No, although when you watch it back, actually, the... Uh... The assist for Patterson was pretty good, actually. You might argue about midfield positioning, but it was a great bit of skill to set him up, and it was a, I thought a very cool, a very coolly taken, taken goal as well. I mean, you know, when you've got a doy and the and uh, Gazaniga sort of bumping into each other, slumped on the floor, but he still managed. To, I thought he, the finish was very good, and he's a good player, Patterson. So, you know, um, it was a good goal, but it 
I think it underlines what you, as a Fulham fan, you know, you're never comfortable unless you're two goals ahead because we've got it in us to do that. You know, just a concentration to go, to switch off, bit of an error. And before you know it, you know, we've conceded a goal and that's what happened. And, you know, it was, it was, um, it was a bit of a wake up call, but we did wake up quite quickly afterwards. So, you know, to that extent, it, it wasn't a problem, but it could have been. I think it's probably a little bit harsh on Gazaniga because I think he's sort of like given his position was actually quite good. He was uh, essentially covering the angle for Patterson. And then Adore just sort of comes in, almost takes <laughs> completely takes him out. You know, it's sort of like see what Dennis was trying to do. But had he not, um, you know, done a, uh, played the blocking role for uh, Swansea in that one, I reckon, um, you know, Gazaniga was sort of given a good shot to try and uh, save it. But I do think. Um, Tosin was sort of somewhat at fault because he did leave his, uh, you know, he left his position possibly due to the fact that midfield weren't covering either. But uh, it was just, it was one of those sloppy goals. But as Tom said, you know, Patterson is a good player uh, and it was a good finish. So you know, these things happen. And Tosin's young. He still, you know, he does make mistakes. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I don't, you know, overall the defensive performance was really good last night. And I don't, th- you know, it's just a shame that uh, that one. Um, slip through. Can I say it's good that we can sort of have a joke and you say it's funny about all this, the fact that we're near the top of the table and we won the game. If that happened last season, every single player would have gotten pelters for that, especially Dennis Adoy. And we'd be mm. saying you should never play for the club again for what he did. I just think it's funny that it's, it's just how it turned out because, yeah, it, it was funny in the aftermath, but if we'd have gone on to lose that game or something, then it would have been looked at very, very differently. AK yeah, would have been blamed. We all know that. Yeah, well, I, I still are blaming for that one last night anyway. But, um, so, I mean, you, you say that was that was a good through ball, and it was a good through ball, but it was so invited onto us. There was that, such a big gap left there, and it was just easy. It was an easy through ball. It wasn't, it wasn't a tough one, was it? But anyway, it happened. And, you know, I, I, I guess it's, it's easy to blame Gazaniga because we've got a, um, a very capable and popular replacement waiting in the wings uh, for when he does make mistakes. Um, and I, I want Rodak to, to come in and get his chance, to be honest. Um, look, look at the, the goals that we've conceded recently. The Blackpool one, I think Gazaniga could have done better. I think Gazaniga could have done better with the Bristol City one. And, and I do think he could have done better for, for the goal against Swansea. The one against Swansea didn't cost us, but the other two did. And uh, he is he is an easy target, like I said, because we because we are big fans of Marek Rodak. And I, I, I hope Gazaniga stays in goal now for the rest of the season because that would mean that he doesn't make any more mistakes. But my feeling is that there's going to be another one just around the corner and it's just a matter of time before we see Marek Rodak take the place between well, the sticks. You want Gazaniga to stay in goal for the rest of the season? Well, if, if, if he's there on merit and he doesn't make any more mistakes and he, and he keeps um, in games, then absolute, absolutely fine. Um, but my feeling is that there's another mistake uh, in him and you know hopefully it won't be a costly one. Yeah, so basically, it doesn't, feel, no, it doesn't really feel sort of me much confidence, but he has made some really good stops as well. And even yeah. the one against Bristol City, I mean, it was a you know, it was a great save initially, but it was it was kind of a very weak follow up from him, which was the slightly confusing bit on that. He didn't he seemed to mm. sort of half ass it, yeah. which I'm sure he didn't mean to. It was kind of just sort of his reaction wasn't good enough. Um, but uh, I, I think he's a good keeper. I just think he. He, he hasn't had a huge amount of game time in the last few years. And I think he's just getting back into it. I think Silva knows that. He's obviously training well. Um, and I think he just sort of, if he can hold down 
this position. I think we've got a very good keeper, but again, as you say, Rodak is kind of a bit of a fan's favourite, so mm. it's hard to sort of watch him on the bench again. So yeah. He's one. got the balance right right now because he's making the saves to sort of make up for the mistakes. With, but it's the second that it's sort of tip the balance tips the other way and yeah. he starts making more mistakes than he does saves. Basically, it's not a problem until it becomes a problem. In fact, once it starts costing us games, then we can start having a more, you know, vehement discussion about it. Well, let's hope we get him out of there before it starts costing us games, eh? But let's, let's hope that doesn't happen anyway. Right. Anyway, right on half time, Mitro completed his hat trick with a fantastic finish from a, a really good ball from Dennis Adoy. It's 10 in 10 now for the big Serbian. Tom, that was the best goal of the night, wasn't it? It was. It was. I think it was the best finish. It was a very good finish. But it was also, I think, the build-up play. You know, the start of that move. Um, and for those of us that are old enough, that really was reminiscent of the Tigana season. Both the the, the pace of the build-up, um, you know, spreading the ball across across the park, um, and then you know the quality of that finish. You could have, um, you could have. Oh, well, I can't because I'm no good at this sort of thing. But if you sort of superimposed uh, Louis Sahar on. Um, on uh, Mitrovic for that finish, he would not have been surprised. It was that that type of goal. I thought it was absolutely superb goal. And, uh, um, I also enjoyed the fact his uh, his celebration in front of the uh, in front of the Swansea fans. So I'm in the pub. Yeah, <laughs> to be given a bit of stick before was uh, was quite nicely done as well. So um, all round great goal. Nice one. Well, the second half was a bit of a non-event. Aside from the injury to Joe Bryant, Swansea rallied and came close on a couple of occasions. We just sat back and didn't really try to add to our lead. Rodrigo Muniz came on for Mitro and Caviero came on for Wilson with around 20 minutes of the game left and we just ended up seeing the game out. Interestingly, we only have 38% of possession though and I've, just, I've had a look back over Swansea this season just to see how much possession they normally have because I was wondering whether this was just because we sat off Swansea and just let them have the ball and just, you know, just said, come on then try and try and break us down. But Swansea have had over 60% in of possession in seven out of the 10 games they've played so far and they've won none of those games in which they've had that amount of possession. They've had over 70% in two out of those 10 games, and they've lost one of those games and drawn one of them. They've had two wins all season. Both of those wins came when they had 53 and 54% possession, respectively. They're currently 19th in the table. Watching Swansea this season must be a tough ask, mustn't it? I'm not sure it is, you know. I might be controversial about it. I think watching (laughs) Swansea... The last two years was a tough ask if the quality of the football. Um, yeah, they got into the playoffs both season, but it was pretty turgid stuff a lot of the time. Um, and Russell Martin, who I think did a, a really good job at MK Dons uh, last year, the reason why he got the job. Um, you know, as I said before, it's a work in progress, I think. But they, he he wants to play and does play a possession game. Um, so those stats aren't surprising to me. And I think, you know, even against us at times, they looked, you know, there's some good foundations there. And I, as I said before, I would not be surprised if they're one of the teams that improves throughout the season. I don't think they're going to be anywhere near the top. I don't think they'll get in the playoffs again, but I don't think they're going to be in the bottom six for the whole of the season at all by any any stretch of imagination. Yeah, I think they're very much in the Slavisa Kandovic. Once it clicks, it's going to click. Because I saw MK Dons a couple of times last season uh, with my job. And some of the football they did play, even if it was you know, League One level, it was pretty damn impressive. It was pretty good to watch. Um, part of it topped up by Matt O'Reilly, who's a very good player. But yeah, once it once it gets going, Swansea, it's going to be very good to watch. So just, just where I wouldn't read too much into it just yet. Just for balance as well, uh, Fulham's possession stats so far this season, just really quickly, we've had over 60% in six games. 
and we've won two, drawn two, and lost two of those. I think we had 70% against Blackpool, for God's sake, and, and lost that game. Uh, 38% against Swansea was the lowest we've had by quite some distance. We we had 50%. We shared the possession with both Stoke and Birmingham this season. Of course, we hammered both of those sides. Um, and, and that was the, the lowest amount that we'd had prior to last night. It didn't feel like we only had 38%, but we obviously just used the ball better. And we're, we're usually used to being on the other end of those types of stats, aren't we? Well, I think the the big thing there is that the clinical nature of our counter-attacking football means that we don't need a huge amount of possession, and which is which is great. I mean, you know, under uh, Parker, it was kind of a bit of the opposite. It, well, in the championship season anyway, where we were having the ball 60% of the time, but not creating enough chances. So it's kind of done a bit of a flip now. Um, and it's more exciting to watch. Obviously, it's a little bit more heart and mouth sometimes when the when we don't have as much of the ball, but at the same time, when we get it and use it properly. And it's a it's a very beautiful thing to watch. So I think we do have to take a bit of sort of, you know, a hit on the percent on the possession stats, and that's fine as long as we keep doing what we did on Wednesday. All right, mate. Is anyone gonna argue that Alexander Mitrovic was full and man of the match. No, they're not. No. So that's there's the man of the match for the game then. Um, let's come on to a Marco Silva rating out of 10 then. Um, I think I'll give him an 8 out of 10 for this one. That Drop marks for not trying to go for the juggler in the second half, but it was a it was a solid, if not too spectacular, 8 out of 10 for me. Maltz, what about you, mate? I'm going to give him a 9 because actually I think the fact that we didn't go for the juggler in the second half was a, you know, a good tactical plan because I think you know we've only got two rest days and then an early kickoff on Saturday so I think they just need to see uh, save the players um, for that so I'll give them a nine all right how about for you Tom I'd say the same I don't I don't think it was a I think it was a good tactical decision to 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 take the players off and to sit back a bit um, it paid off uh, and yeah I don't think it did very much wrong at all so I'll give him a nine as well uh, I'm going to go for a nine. It would have been a 10 for all the reasons that Morgan and Tom read, but I'm going to take a mark off because he allowed himself to be outdressed by Russell Martin. You can't let that happen. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would never have happened under Scott Parker. <laughs> <laughs> all right, lads, on to Saturday's match with Coventry then. Tom, let's start with Jimmy Hilday. Yeah, so this is uh, the first time that Fulham have played uh, Coventry City in the league since uh, the 1960s. And even then, we only played them once. Uh, before that, you have to go back to the late 1940s. It's, it's a bizarre thing, really, given that both of our teams have been in all four divisions in the last 25 years or so, um, that we haven't, we've managed to miss each other as we've gone up and down. So it's the first time people, uh, a new club for many people to watch Fulham play against. And there's obviously the Jimmy Hill connection. Jimmy Hill, a big part of Fulham's history as a player and then as a as a chairman and at Coventry as a, the manager that took them up to the old first division and then um, really um, as, as chairman and on the board there, the innovator of football in the sort of 60s and 70s. So um, it's been designated Jimmy Hill Day. Uh, Coventry City have got a um, uh, one pound for every ticket sale goes to the, the Jimmy Hill Foundation charity working in Coventry, uh, supporting young adults and children with a whole range of different projects. Uh, there'll be bucket collections at the ground. And uh, Fulham and uh, Coventry City Supporters Trusts, um, we are asking fans if they're uh, going to the game, if you manage to get a ticket to uh, go to the Jimmy Hill statue at 12 o'clock, um, where we're going to gather and uh, get a couple of pictures and just mark supporters' respect for 
uh, a man who meant a lot to both clubs and we haven't had the chance to do actually um, because we haven't played each other for so long. I mean, he was always a controversial character, Jimmy Hill. I mean, I was, and I'm sure others are listening to this and uh, were probably pretty upset with Jimmy Hill at various points when he was chairman, but ultimately he did step up and he was the figurehead for the, uh, for the consortium that saved the club from becoming Fulham Park Rangers. And for that, you know, we should always be grateful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's bizarre, isn't it? You said about the league, but the last time Fulham played Coventry was 1982, which was in the League Cup. And then before that, it was 1968, a one-all draw at the Cottage. And then prior to that, 1949. It's, just, it's so bizarre that we, we keep managing to miss each other. And I had a look just to see why that was in more recent times. Um, and the reason we didn't play them when we got promoted to the Premier League was because they came down the season we went up in 2001. Um, in 2012, they were relegated to League One. In 2017, relegated to League Two. And then eventually promoted back to the championship in 2020, just as, as we went up. So this is their second season in the in the championship, Coventry. And they finished 16th last season. Um, so that was that was quite respectable. And obviously they've had a really good start this year prior to the other night when they lost 5-0 at Luton, which was a real kind of uh, weird one. Um, Victor Jokeres, I think you say his name, he's got seven goals for them this season. And their manager, Mark Robbins, this is his second spell in charge there. He's been there since 2017. Um, Coventry have won all five of their home matches in the Championship this season and were third prior to Wednesday night's hammering at Luton. Morgs, how do you see the game going, mate? Uh, yeah, as you said, you know, it was it was a slight a sort of weird result for them last night. Um, but again, it's the Championship, isn't it? It throws up weird ones at times. Um, they say never bet on the early kickoff. Um, you know, you look at it and go, well, Fulham just come off the back of a 3-1 win. They've come off the back of a 5-0 hammering. Uh, you know, it should be a given that uh, Fulham win. But I think it'll be tight. I think, you know, obviously in front of their home fans, uh, they haven't lost at home. Well, they've won every game, I think, at home or something. Yeah. Um, and they'll put in a strong performance for sure. But I think we will, I think we will get it. I think we'll have a bit too much quality for them, but I think it'll be tight. I think it'll be 2-1 to us. All right. How about you, Baldé? Yeah, I, I I sort of echo what 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 Morgan's saying. There's there's all the catalyst for this to be the you know the upset of the day, as it were. The fact that we've got you know the early kickoff, the fact that we're travelling, the fact that you know they've turned it into a fortress, which I think might have something to do. With, it's their first season back at the Rico as well, um, after all the chaos that they had playing at uh, St Andrews in Birmingham. So I you know the home fact, the home atmosphere fact is probably going to play a part in it. And obviously, if it's Jimmy Hill Day, then it's going to be an emotional one as well. Uh, for both sides, so it has all the capability to be a very uh, cagey game, and I wouldn't read anything into the results from uh, Wednesday night. So, yeah, I, th- I think a, I think a tight one. So maybe a maybe a two one or a, or one nil. I can't expect I don't expect us to roll them over in any way, shape, or form the way we did Swansea. I think uh, Coventry fans have been through it over the years as well. You say they they ground shared at St Andrews at Birmingham. They I seem to remember them also ground sharing at Northampton as well, which is yeah, they did first time yeah. round ridiculous journey to, to have to make and tiny little stadium as well. It just I remember when when Bryson were going through it and they used to have to travel to Gillingham to ground share and it's just awful to make football supporters go through that sort of thing. So I, I feel for their fans and 
could be could be the start of a uh, a beautiful little relationship between Fulham and Coventry on Saturday, as long as we beat them. How, how about you, Tom? How do you see the game going, mate? Um, I think it will be a very very tight game. I mean, I've spoken to Coventry fans uh, this season who said, you know, the exactly as you said, coming back to the ground where they haven't been for so long, uh, it has been like a fortress. The results have helped. The performances have been very good. Uh, it, it, I think it will be a tight game. I don't think we'll win. I think it's going to be a draw. I'm going to go for one all. All right. Right, lads, let's come on to a lineup prediction then. Morgs, do you see many changes being made to the side that face Swansea, aside from any enforced at left back? Yeah, I think I, I had a, a quick sort of recap on uh, what Silver said about uh, the left back situation. I think from what he said, I think Robinson will be back. So I think we will see him slot back, okay. uh, back into left back. Um, I can't see any other changes uh, off the bat. I think as long as all the players are fit, I think you need to give Cabano another go because I thought he was brilliant mm. on Wednesday. Uh, Bobby Reed, maybe. Maybe he'll get rested. But aside from that, uh, I can't really see uh, much else changing. Bobby Reed did miss that glaring opportunity, didn't he, against uh, against Swansea? It was a really good move, and he put it over the bar when he almost had time to take a touch. So that being said, I, I wouldn't drop him for it. And you know, you, you're looking at going into the international break now, so there there is a a gap of a couple of weeks. But I guess Bobby Reed will be going off to play for Jamaica, and uh, as will a lot of the players be going off. So it's not going to be it's not going to be a rest for most of them. How about you, Tom? Do you, do you see there being any other changes? No, I don't. I think, you know, the team that started uh, against Swansea and played really well first half obviously wasn't the team that finished. Um, so with the exception of uh, of the position of the left back, I think it will be the same team. Um, uh, and I think, you know, they all deserve they, they deserve to to hold their places because of the way they performed in the sort of first half and first hour of the game on Wednesday. And Baldo, rode out for Gazaniga? Yeah, why not? Just for the hell of it. Um, I should probably just stress. Um, I'll just gather what uh, uh what Silver said in his press conference. Got just got up here. So Silver on Brian Carvalho and Robinson. Good signs from all three. Um, as expected, Robinson was nothing was nothing serious. Um, let's see tomorrow. We are optimistic. So by the sounds of it, Robinson probably will be back. So I think, I think I, I'm in the same mind mindset as you guys. You know, don't change a thing other than maybe left back if it's enforced that Robinson comes back in. Didn't uh, Terence Congolo play for the reserves or the under 23s or something the other day and have to come off before half time? Yeah, yeah 40 minutes he lasted. Yeah, <laughs> absolute oxygen thief. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> I still, I mean, I just don't get how that man passes medical. No, if they yeah, even bothered, he, he I thought there must have been something. There, he must have had something on Tony Khan or something like that to actually make him sign in because there is someone. Someone else no went. Sense of reason. Someone else went in wearing a Terence Congolo mask. That's got to be the yeah, reason. must have been someone healthy. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it... a, it's annoying because the games that he played actually look quite good. Yeah, um, exactly. But you know that that man is made out of he's made of paper. And, Hold on, games. Yeah. He, he played more than one. I, I'm stunned at that. I, 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 <laughs> did he? I genuinely couldn't name. I, I could. I thought he was. Maybe I thought he was one and done. He played. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're the FA it. Cup. Man City in the Cup. Blackburn um, got played... injured, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, that was it. But then the QPR game last season, he was quite good. But the... he, played, he played in the Premier League for a game. It was a night game. Was it Leeds or something like that, maybe? And then just went off and then never seen him again since. 
it's ridiculous. I can't believe he's a, you know, I feel sorry for him because you don't yeah. want any players to have to go through injuries like that. But between him and Kearney, I mean, they're just sitting, oh, no. you know, they're bringing in their th- uh, tens of thousands of pounds a week, um, yeah. you know, whilst uh, not really contributing. It must have been nearly a year since we saw Kearney as well, wasn't it? Was it was it that Newcastle game was his last game before Christmas? Was it that long? I mean, ridiculous. I think it, yeah, I think it was. So it's it's getting on for a year. Um, I I'm not I'm not sure we'll ever see Kearney playing for Fulham again. You know, other than maybe a sort of a cameo coming off the bench at the mm. just before he announces his retirement at the end of the season. Um, yeah, I just don't just don't see it. Unfortunately, um, uh, actually, even if he was fit, I'm not sure he'd get into our team right now either. No, I don't think he would either. I really don't think I mean, he's he going would. to need a lot of under twenty three games or behind closed door friendlies or whatever just to sort of even get anywhere near match fit once he's yeah. over the injury. I mean, it's it's a tough one to come back from for him. He's clearly did something a couple of seasons ago um, that sort of you know he aggravated last season, and it's just you know it's one of those you know career changing, career ending injuries by the looks of it, and it's a, it's very sad for him. It's a bit of a shame shame for his legacy as well, because his legacy should be scoring the winner at Wembley to get us promoted. But it almost, it, I mean, it doesn't get swept under the carpet. We still remember that. But it, it, when we think of Tom Kearney now, we just think, oh, he's always bloody injured. It's kind yeah, of a bit like into, uh, Marco Van Basten at the end of his career. I, th- I think in time, once he's finished playing, you know, wherever that comes, he will be remembered actually for being you know, just such an integral part of that team that played such brilliant football. And, you know, the end of the second half, 27, 2018, capped off by the goal at Wembley. Um, And that is probably, uh, apart from the Europa League final, probably, you know, the high point for Fulham supporters of recent times. So he's always going to have that, even if, uh, unfortunately for him, his his career ends. I mean, maybe he won't, but, you know, if if his time at Fulham ends with a bit of a damp squib for having a long-term injury that he just can't get over. Um, I he hope that's was, not the case. It does feel like it might be. He was one of the best attacking midfielders. In the, I mean, we're digressing a bit here. I thought we were about to wrap the show up, but we can talk about <laughs> Tom Kearney for a minute. He, he was one of the best attacking midfielders in the Championship for a good two or three seasons, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, and he was he was an absolutely integral part to that. You know, those, those two seasons, 16, 17, 17, 18. Uh, I mean, I think he was he was just probably amongst the best two or three players in the Championship those both those seasons when he was playing. And... You couldn't get near him. Um, yeah. And, you know, as I say, in time, that's what we remember him for. Get well soon, Tom and Terence. then. All right, guys, let's leave it there then. Uh, Tom, thanks very much for your help this week. Great to have you on. We'll get you back later on in the season if you're keen. Cheers. Thank you very much. Love to. Top man. Thanks, mate. Thanks. Thanks to Morgan Baldo for joining, as always. And thanks to you guys for listening at home. We'll be back on Monday morning with all the reactions to the Coventry game. And then towards the end of next week, we have a quiz lined up for you, seeing as it's the international break. So make sure you subscribe to Fulham Focus so you don't miss it. Speak to you soon, folks. Cheers. Fulham.